there. Come on in and make yourself at home. Welcome to this very special Valentine's episode of our podcast, Love Someone with Delilah. Every day on my radio program, I implore you, I encourage you, I beg you to love someone in a very real way, to reach out and give from your heart. And while an overwhelming number of callers to my show are those involved in romantic relationships or wanting to be in a romantic relationship or crying from a failed romantic relationship, you all know by now that when I encourage you to love someone, I'm not talking about romantic love. I mean everyone. I mean real love, agape love, the kind of love that sacrifices, the kind of love that makes the world a better place. I want you to love your parents, your siblings, even the difficult ones to love, even the ones that just are like fingernails on a chalkboard because they get on your very last nerve. Your children, even when they're teenagers and difficult, your friends, members of your community. Love is all-encompassing, and we need it. We need it to survive in a world that can sometimes feel very, very dark and oppressive. My Valentine special podcast this year is going to focus on the healing heart, specifically the healing power of art. None of us can go through life without experiencing heartbreak and loss along the way. And like love, loss comes in many forms. The romantic breakup is the first form that comes to mind, but we've all suffered substantial losses. We've lost beloved people. We've lost cherished pets. We've lost jobs. We've lost homes. We've lost belongings. We've lost our way. We've lost relationships. We've become empty nesters or we've moved to new areas, leaving all that was familiar behind. Some of us are experiencing the loss of our youth, our health, the vitality we once had. Whatever the loss you or someone you love may be feeling, there are therapeutic activities out there that can help ease the pain just a little bit. Just enough sometimes to let a ray of light, a ray of joy come beaming through. Art is the therapy that we're exploring today. Art for the heart. Art for the heart with my now good friend, Elizabeth, an artist who helped me at a time in my life when I needed it the most. I'll introduce her to you right after this message from my wonderful podcast sponsor, The Home Depot. Our friends at The Home Depot help so many people update their homes it's an everyday activity in each of their stores. The paint department staff loves seeing someone in with a picture of a color of a wall they'd like to have in their own home. You know, the Home Depot now has peel and stick samples made with real paint that you can take home, put on the walls in your home in the room that you're thinking of painting so that you can get a feel if you really like that color in your home. How easy is that? The Home Depot, where doers get more done. 
Our guest today is Elizabeth. Hello. Hello. Elizabeth St. Hilaire. So I was in a restaurant uh, two years ago, just a couple of weeks, maybe six weeks after we lost my son, Zach. And I was in such a dark place Mm. that nothing, I couldn't feel anything. Like we were in Leavenworth, Washington, which is this magical little town covered in snow. It's little German chalets. And it was probably, I don't know, 20 degrees, 15 degrees out. I could have walked down the street without a coat on. I could have walked down the street naked Wow! and not felt the cold. Wow. I was just so shut down. And we were in this restaurant. Everybody was talking and everybody was carrying on. I couldn't engage in conversation. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't, I couldn't follow a conversation. And I got up and excused myself and I was walking through the hall and I saw this rooster painting (laughs) and he was so happy (laughs) and whimsical. Fun. Fun. And I don't know, for some reason that the colors and the textures in this painting uh, touched me. Like I could, I could actually feel something for the first time, I think, since I heard the news that Zach was gone. And so I took a picture of it. Wow. And then I tried to research it. (laughs) I couldn't read your handwriting. (laughs) But you ultimately found me. So I ultimately found you because I Googled, you know, I, it was a mixed media, um, painting uh, yeah. So I Googled, I couldn't read your name. So I, I Googled mixed media, torn paper rooster oh. or something like that. And it came up. And it came up. See, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. And then I stalked you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny story. I really did. Well, in, in the beginning, because I just wanted to learn your style. I wanted to, I mean, it was mesmerizing. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And uh, I think I went in your junk folder and I'm like, no, no, this woman is going to answer me because I want to know what you do. Like I, I was, it's layers and textures and colors and magical, your style. And when you got back to me, you mentioned that you had tutorials. Right. And some books. Some books. And then I teach on, I teach workshops. So once I connected with you and I found out you had workshops and tutorials and books, I became a student. <laughs> and I found, I don't know if you remember doing this, but I found an old newsreel story of you, Elizabeth, yes. when your kids were running around the house. Yes, a yes. Fascinating news story about you. And I'm like, I don't know. I just felt, oh my God, I love this woman. That news story that that was from Growing Boulder, which was a, a local um, production, um, and and I don't even remember how I got the opportunity to do that news story, but that news story really brought me into put me in front of a lot of people. It, it really gave me good exposure, and it, and it wasn't something I was necessarily expecting, but um, but it but it was great. I loved it because you were so real. You were so authentic. You know, it wasn't like you were posing for the camera or 
like anything was contrived. It was just so real and authentic and your heart came shining through. Yeah. They came to my house with cameras and I was like, you know, it was, it was a little intimidating, you know, but, but, um, but they were great and, and, and I'm still friends with them to, to this day. I still talk to the guys that run the show and we, we, what's the name of the show? It's called growing boulder and it's on PBS stations nationwide. Very cool. Well, that was, I watched that and I went, I, I don't just want to learn from this person. I want to know this person. It made me want to get to know you. But I really want people to to know your work. Right. And to not just know your work, because there's a lot of artists I love. Sure. I love real art. I know you do. I love public art. I love going to Philadelphia. They've had a campaign the last 10, 15 years to uh, renovate old buildings and that sort of thing with public art. And it's beautiful and it's powerful and it's meaningful and it's heartfelt and it's kids. And, you know, I love there's a a local art project in a community close to where I live, where you've taught. And there's birds, seagulls that have been cut out of some material and decorated by grade school kids. Oh, that's awesome. And they're along a fence, uh, you know, and, and it's an ugly fence, you know, just a metal ugly fence. But it's beautiful now with this flock of birds and each one. I mean, I've taken pictures of each individual bird because the kids, their expression is so beautiful. And how amazing is it for those kids to have been part of that project with that level of permanency and they get to go buy it and say, I was I did part that. of that. I, was I part did of that. that. That's, that's my, my bird. That blue bird is mine, right? I mean, that's incredible. So... It wasn't just that I wanted people to know you as an artist. I want people to, and and the reason I wanted you to be on this podcast that that we're calling Art for the Heart is because I want people to know you and your passion for encouraging people to tap deep inside themselves and express themselves artistically. Well, it's interesting that, that you say that because I think the most common comment that I get from people is you've inspired me. You've inspired me to come back to art. You've inspired me to try mixed media. You've inspired me, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And I think that I, I think that's the best part of my job really is to know that I'm inspiring other people in art. I think that's better than me making a masterpiece. It's better than a lot of things because it's such a gift to be able to give artistic inspiration to someone else. And when people tell me your class changed my life, and I mean, sometimes people really tell me that because it helped them get to a better place with art. When they say that to me, your class changed my life. I mean, that's huge. That's a wonderful thing to be able to give someone else. So, well, uh, let me be one of the many to say your class changed my life. (sighs) And I, like I said, I was in such a dark place, such a sad place that I couldn't see, I couldn't feel, I couldn't, I couldn't watch a movie. I couldn't read a book. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't take my own phone calls for my own show some nights because mm-hmm. if people called and they were grieving like I was, I'd just be a puddle on the floor. And if people called with some trite, ridiculous petty problem, you know, saying, I've got this big dilemma, you know, and I'm like, you've got a dilemma. Yeah. And so it was very, it's such a, a hard thing to work through. 
Absolutely. And I had a great support system. I mean, you've met my family now. Yeah. You've met my oh, kids. Yeah. You met my husband. I had a great support system and a friend named Debbie Maycomer, who's a local author, a uh, very famous author, happens to be my neighbor. She encouraged me to find a grief counselor. But even with all that support in place, I was numb. And meeting you and discovering this this new form of art, which is so whimsical and so fun, uh, allowed me to kind of unlock that passion for art that I've always had in a new way, in a creative way, and allowed me to create some works of art, one in particular that really helped me work through having to say goodbye to my son. Yeah. It, you know, I no one can ever uh, say that they know how you feel, right? But I am a mother. Um, I have a 20-year-old son. And, you know, my experience with using art to to process grief was that when I was in college, I spent a semester in college in 1988, and that was the year that Libya bombed Pan Am Flight 103. And I lost all of my roommates, as well as 35 Syracuse University students. We were all studying abroad. So very many classmates that I had known since my freshman year and people that I lived with. And and your I, best friend. And my best friend. And I was 20. So how do you, how do you even begin to process that kind of loss? I used my art and I painted uh, paintings, but they were dark and dreary and they were, they were me processing, you know, going through the stages of bereavement, but they, 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 you've used words like colorful and whimsical and happy to describe my art just now. And I'll tell you that the art that I was creating then was none of those things, none of those things. And I had a professor at Syracuse that I stayed in touch with. And he said to me, I'll be interested to see what you create when you get through this when you come out the other side of this. And uh, it took me a long time. It took me 10 years to create anything that was uh, happy and colorful and whimsical. It was a long, long process, probably because I was so young and it was, it was a huge scale. At that age, you think you're, you're immortal and you realize all of a sudden that you're not. That you're not. Yeah. It, it, it closed the curtain on my childhood. Basically, it was the end of innocence. It changed everything. And, and I still think about it all the time. So... You worked through your grief, through your artwork, and you are a professional artist. You're a fine artist. You've done commercial art. You teach art. You write books about art. You do videos about art. And for for me meeting you and becoming friends with you and buying your books and studying your style was a lot less about studying your style because I think everybody who loves art has their own style sure. and their own gift and more about being open to being open. Right. Being open to just trying something new and finding a way to express myself and get it out there. Well, uh, yeah, being open to trying something new is is awesome because I I often stress in my in my workshops when I'm working with students, it's it's more about the process than the product, you know? Because when you do something new, you're not going to be great at it. And when you do something in a classroom setting, you're not going to make the best art you ever made in your life, but you're going to go through the process, you're going to learn, you're going to be with other people and and you're going to work through interesting and different ideas and when you're open to that, you can you can receive a, a lot of wonderful things that, that you may then run with and refine. We were talking over lunch about the fact that if you ask a room full of kindergarten students or first grade students, how many of you are artists? 
They'll all raise their hands. Absolutely. If you give them three color crayons and a piece of paper, they will all create amazing artwork. Yeah. And then by about seventh or eighth grade, if you ask the exact same classroom of kids, who here is an artist? What, maybe four or five raised their hands? Yeah, many, much fewer. And then by high school, you might get one, maybe two. Right. Because they lose that joy, as you said, for the process and they focus on the product. Yeah, they focus on the product and they and they start comparing themselves to each other and saying, well, well, your stuff is much better than mine, so I'm no good at this, where they used to not, not say that at all. Now, I volunteered uh, for many years in elementary school from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade um, while my kids were in school. And then even after they went on to middle school, I stayed and volunteered in the PTA art program. So I've seen this firsthand. And um, in the, you're absolutely right. When I would go into kindergarten, everyone would, all the kids would be like, yay. They'd see me coming and they would just be like, yay, yay, art, yay. And then um, definitely even in the fifth grade, there were some that were like, oh, I'm no good at that. I'm no good at that. Isn't that sad? It is sad because, because they're at that age where they're comparing what they create with the person next to them. Um, and I guess we're all guilty of that. And, and I know, you know, when kids get into middle school, they all want to just, they all just want to look the same and they don't want to be different. I can remember my daughter in, in elementary school had the most flamboyant outfits. I don't know where she got that from. Mm. And then when she- No got- clue, Elizabeth, none. <laughs> as I'm looking at you in your rose pattern, bright red and pink and printed and sparkly outfit. You no lo- idea. You gotta love sparkly. I love sparkly. Not as much as you love sparkly. <laughs> but, but, but when, when, when Emily was in middle school, she wore the exact same outfit as all the other girls wore. And I'm talking about right down to the shoes, the the brand oh, of yeah. jeans. You know this. You've oh, got yeah. girls. I've got girls. They yeah. just want to, you know, they be just, there was just, they wanted to look just like everyone else and be just like everyone else. And when you're striving for that, um, doing anything that, that kind of is individual is not what you want to do. So you're not going to be an artist. You're going to be whatever. So how old was your daughter when she broke out of that? Because she is clearly left that far behind. She's a dancer. She's a dancer and she has a shaved head and uh, she dresses kind of real funky and yeah. Amazing style. Yeah. Yeah. You sent me a video of her dancing. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Yeah. She's super talented. She works really hard at it. She's so talented. Her, Her moves are like like water that's been electrified. That's, they're fluid and yet they're so electric and energized. That's a great description. Yeah. Yeah. She, I, she high school, high school, um, probably not the first year of high school, probably the second and third year of high school. She just, she kind and I can remember thinking, wow, I'm so glad that she's back to her individual self, that she's, she's back to not really, you know, measuring up to others, that she's actually just doing what she wants, what feels good to her and what is her own personal self-expression. And I think dance helped a lot with that. Uh, but yeah, I would say it was probably the second year of high school that she came back to her, her individual sense of style and It takes some people a lot longer than that. It does. I think a lot of it's about confidence. You know, um, I have a lot of women in my workshops that come to me and say, I, I love your style. I love your shoes. I love your clothing. I love your hair color. And then they, I say, thank you. And then they follow up by, I, I, I just couldn't do that. I could never do that. And, and I say, why, you know, and, and these are not people who are in the workforce whose employer is limiting what they look like. It, it's their own self-confidence. They say, well, I, I'm just not confident enough. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I used to be that person. I did, but 
I guess with confidence comes a little bit more willingness to be, uh, uh, to stick out, you know, to be a little edgier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to draw attention. I had a guy in Costco tell me that I was too old for my look. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was in line at Costco and he looked at me and he goes, don't you think you're too old for that? And I looked at him. I knew what he was talking about, but I go, what? What What are you talking about? What are you and, talking about? And he, and he made the, the circle like this, like your whole, like your whole self, your like, whole self. like that. And I, and I, and I, and I you know, I, I could have been. Was it the pink shoes? Were you wearing I, the I pink what shoes? Because I, I love the pink it was shoes. One of my be, it was one of my better get ups. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just, and I've got a nose piercing and great big, huge earrings. And, and so I just looked at him and I was like, Keep you know. Keep going. Flaming red hair. Flaming red hair. Beautiful uh, tortoise shell-ish reddish glasses that are the exact same shade <laughs> as the hair, as the hair, which <laughs> I, is, I work hard at that, which is amazing. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I don't let stuff like that bother me. Uh, and I know that that's easier said than done, but, but it's been a whole lifelong process. Of getting I actually to that point. like it when people say things like that to me, I love it because it's great material Sure, when yeah. I'm doing public speaking or when I'm on the air. Let's talk about that some more right after we break for this important message. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. But I love that you're not a conformist. No, I, and I never was. And and we had this, uh, we have this vegan restaurant in Orlando where where I raised my kids, and uh, the, all the staff there had tattoos and piercings and blue hair and crazy clothing, and it was a vegan restaurant, right? And I took my kids there a lot, and I always used to say to them, 
you know, I want you to know that you can't judge someone by what they look like. You should never judge someone by what they look like, you know, because this staff at this place were amazing, awesome, wonderful people, you know? And, uh, if I taught my kids one thing, it was that you can't judge people. You shouldn't judge people by what they look like. You know, Not only that, but you should encourage them to look like whatever they want to look like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You've been in my house, you've met my kids, you know, that I very much encourage them to be self-expressive and absolutely, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, people are like, you, you're going to let her wear her hair like that. She's got purple hair. Why not? Uh, yeah. (laughs) It's fun. Yeah. If I could get away with wearing purple hair, I would. Well, it you, wouldn't look as good on me as it does on Blessing, let's be honest. This is true. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. that dark ebony skin and, and the just, purple. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful. Absolutely. So if somebody, Elizabeth, wants to find a way to express themselves and they're like my Kimmy that you've met who says, I can't draw. I'm not talented. I have no talent. I think um, sometimes it's hard to encourage people like that. But, but you were so encouraging to Kimmy and you brought her to the workshop and, and I dragged her and uh, kicking and screaming to the workshop yeah, yeah. and now look at her. Oh yeah. Now she's an art machine, but uh, I taught her a technique so that she could get past the fact that she felt like she couldn't draw. And that was the graphite transfer paper. So she brought a photograph and basically, uh, you know, like the old carbon paper traced it through. So you get the graphite transfer and that gave her a proportional drawing that allowed her to feel good about where she started. And then she painted it in and made the collage paper and glued that on top and and took it in a whole different direction. But at least from the beginning, she had a drawing on her, on her surface that she felt good about. So she was starting from a good place. And obviously it made her happy because she's making more art than you and me lately. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not only did it make her happy, do you know what her kids got her for Christmas? Art supplies? Not just an art supply, a desk. Oh, uh, awesome. An artist's table that tilts. That's great. And she's like, I'm going to put it in my extra bedroom. I said, Kimmy, put it where there's light. Get rid of your dining room. You never have yeah, dinner parties anymore. Yeah, have a dinner party. Yeah, come on. And she is on fire. That's amazing. To create. That's awesome. It's And it's... It's so awesome to see a whole nother side, a whole nother dimension. Cause you know, she was Korean. She was raised in a very, 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 very conservative family, very, um, traditional family. You know, mom did this, dad did this, right. kids were seen and not heard that sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, and then she was married for years and years to a wonderful, beautiful man, but she always saw herself as the homemaker. Right. Kimmy, the wife, Kimmy, the mom, Kimmy, the homemaker for me, the nanny. And now that you've helped bring out this artistic animal, (laughs) there's a whole nother side to Kimmy that everybody's getting to see. Not just, not just her art, which is great, but, but what it's bringing out in her. Yeah. It's, you know, Kimmy's story is a little different. Um, the, the typical story that I get is that I have women who had all those roles like Kimmy, they were the mom, they were the homemaker, uh, they were the wife and they get to that point in their life where they're retired and their kids are grown and they have more time and money for themselves. And they come to my workshops and they say, I always wanted to be an artist, but I, when I was time for me to go to college, my parents said, you're not going to school for art you're going to go to school for something practical, something where you you're going to go learn job. to type. Yeah. <laughs> typing, nursing, um, teacher. 
practical, um, maybe an art teacher, but that's as close as you're going to get. So these uh, women will come to my class and say, now I'm at a point in my life where I get to do what I want to do. And what makes me happy is what I loved when I was in high school. And that's art. And they come back to art years later and they haven't done it for years. And they realize the joy that they, that they had and it comes back to them and they just, they're just in a beautiful place because they are doing what they always loved and didn't get an opportunity to do. And that is a story I hear over and over and over. And so it's, that's inspiring as well, you know, to see someone say, well, now I've got time. I can do whatever I want. What do I want to do? Well, I want to take art classes. I want to learn a new medium. I want to take a trip to Italy and make art. I mean, these are great freedoms, really. They are great freedoms, but like you said, Kimmy's story is a little different in that she didn't seek you out. I dragged her there because... Kicking and screaming. Because every time I would start painting, because I've always done art, I would have become an artist instead of a radio DJ, but it doesn't pay as well. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. And, and, uh, you know, I had to make a choice which right. passion I was going to follow. And I like talking more than I like painting. Right. And I really like painting. Well, and you are excellent at talking <laughs> and painting. And, and so uh, I always have an art project going at the house. Always. I'm always painting on something, on some surface. I'm always doodling or drawing or painting. And Kimmy would watch me and stand a couple of feet back and watch over my shoulder. And I would say, try it. No, no, no. So three or four years ago, we started painting rocks with the kids. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she is loving this. And it was so relaxing for her. So I knew that locked up in her beautiful little heart was an artist just begging to be unleashed. Right. Well, now she's unleashed. Now she's unleashed. So if somebody is hurting or somebody has gone through a, a great tragedy, I can't imagine losing 30 friends, 34 friends like you did. Right. But losing a child, losing a spouse, losing a job, losing a marriage... Or if somebody is just trying to get in touch with the creative person that they were in, in kindergarten, what would you say to that person? What, what would your pearls of wisdom be? Well, you just mentioned that, she, that Kimmy found the rock painting relaxing, right? And that's something that I hear a lot when we paint papers in my workshop. People say, this is so relaxing and fun. I could do this all day. I could do this all day. And I think that... Um, that is therapeutic. You know, the process of, 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 you know, playing with color, painting rocks, painting paper, something, um, not stressing yourself out with details of making a meticulously realistic watercolor, right. But doing something that's just enjoyable, maybe it's doodling or, or like when we do in my class, we paint the paper. Um, it takes your mind off what is stressing you. When you are in that relaxing, therapeutic zone and you are focused on the art, you're focused on what you're making and what's in front of you, you're not, when you're focused on that, you're not thinking as much or maybe even at all about what is what is bothering you, hurting your heart or what you're, what you're mourning, you know? And you can get a little, a little break. You can take a little mental break from all that is, is on your mind when you can get involved in art. When I first found you and I told you I was going through and still I'm going through the grief of losing Zach and now uh, my stepson, Ryan, we've lost three boys in seven years. That's incredible. And the artwork didn't take my focus off of my sons, but what it did was it gave me a creative way to express my love for my boys. 
Mm. It gave me a creative place to put all that love that is inside that I just can't get out. I understand that. I did a portrait of my best friend uh, for her mom. And uh, I I used all this memorabilia papers and stuff that I had collected in London, including two subway tickets and cork corks from wine bottles and candy bar wrappers and, and, and made this portrait of her, uh, for her mom. And it, 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 that was the same thing for me that it was me expressing my love for my best friend and, and, and giving it to her mom and telling her mom that I thought she was amazing too. I think she's amazing too, you know? So, you know, sort of sharing that in the process of creating the portrait, I went through all the memories of the things that we did together and it, it, it was healing. It really was healing. And I think when, when I gave it to her mom, it was healing for her as well. And at the 10-year anniversary of, of the uh, families of the victims of Pan Am 103, I spoke in front of about 400 people. And they put the slide of the collage of my roommate and best friend up on the screen behind me. It was a little nerve-wracking, but it was pretty cool, really, you know, to have what it. A gift. Yeah, to just to, to share it with that many people. And to have it be a candy wrapper from the candy bar she ate. Yeah, it was all and those the things. Subway tickets that she held in her hand. Stuff from our pockets. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So if somebody would like to to try their hand at painting paper or try their hand at sketching or try their hand, how will they find you? Make it easy for them, unlike me who Oh, right. Unlike you who had to figure out my signature. Well, it's here. It's real easy because I'm all about paper and I do collage. So my website is paperpaintings.com. Very simple. Very simple. And And if you, if you put that in, you'll find all, all my stuff. You can go down that rabbit hole. You can go down that rabbit hole. Like I did. I've got all your books. (laughs) I've watched all your videos. I, I consume your little tutorial tidbits that you send out because they just inspire me. I just can't even, it's like a surreal that I'm sitting here with you, especially now that I know that you're not just a local DJ and that you are telling me that you enjoy my YouTube videos. Like I that's, love them. That's awesome. Like I you, love them. You know, you know it's, it's, it, these are the times, well, I've told you this before too. These are the times when, because my parents didn't really want me to go to college for art either. So these are the times when I want to like send a post-it note to my parents and say, remember when you didn't want me to go to college for art? <laughs> and my, my parents know who you are. I didn't know who you were, but my parents but know who you are. But your dad knows who oh, you are. Oh, my dad knows who uh-huh. you are. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So you have basically validated my entire life. So with, all the, the my awards dad. you've won, all the, no, none of the it matters. competitions you've entered, the no. magazine covers you've been on. No, Pier 1 Imports, reproductions, no. Yeah, the, the, the aprons that have your artwork on them and the bed sheets and right. the tea towels. Right. But the, the Delilah yeah. has been to your class. Dad, check it out. Here's a picture of me and Delilah and her project from my class. And he goes, oh boy, you're famous now. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for that. Did you tell him she actually came and found me, Dad? I did. Yeah, I did. That that I love you. I love your art, but I love you. And I love that everybody that that you encounter, you encourage. I do. I think that that's just a good thing. It's a good feeling. And, And who doesn't like a good feeling? You encourage people just by being true to yourself. You encourage people by being honest. You know, you're very transparent. You're not... You, you don't, you know, hide behind this veneer of I'm perfect or I'm this or you're just you. Oh, yeah. And you encourage people by saying you can do this. 
Yeah. You can do it. Try it. Sure. Try it. I'll help you try it. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are many things that you have said. I've heard you say, that's not my skill set. You said, I can't do math. No. 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 You and I are both on the same page no, there. No, and I can't measure anything. Don't ask me to measure anything. But that's math. <laughs> Which is really funny because like all your canvases are like the same dimensions. Did you have somebody else do that? Well, no, I bought those that way. But they were hanging hang- them up was tricky. <laughs> <laughs> hanging them up at the same height was tricky. I bet. There's a lot of holes behind those. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. Elizabeth, thank you for being with us and our art for the heart conversation because, you know, Valentine's month, we celebrate the whole month on the Delilah show. That's that's awesome. And I think, you know, what you should do and, and everybody should do is make a handmade Valentine with whatever art materials you whatever have. Whatever art materials you have. Whatever. Just remember elementary school when we made get the Valentine's? Some, some red crayons, break them up, put them yep. between two pieces of wax paper. Yes, I love Use that. your iron, yes. iron them out, make a, cut out little hearts. Just make a Valentine. Enjoy the process of making that Valentine and then maybe send it to someone that you care about, your child, your mother, your sister, or, or your sweetheart. And you know what, what I'm going to do? I'm going to make like 5,000. Well, you better send me one. Because, you know, I, I get obsessed with things. <laughs> you better send me I one. start painting rocks and I've got 5,000 painted heart rocks in the house or whatever it is. Well, I'm going to be expecting my heart rock and my wax paper contraption there you go. There in the you mail. Go. <laughs> Elizabeth St. Hilaire and paper paperpaintingsplural.com. Try some art for the heart in this new year. When was the last time you allowed yourself to be creative without worrying about how the end product would be judged? If it's been a while, and especially if you are the kind that says to themselves and others, I'm not creative or I'm not artistic, then I want you to be brave enough to give creativity another chance. Go back in your mind to your early grade school days When art, loving art, was as natural as breathing to you. Draw some stick figures, pick up some crayons and doodle. Grab a glue stick, a magazine, a pair of scissors, make a collage. Still too scary? Arrange some rocks, pebbles, pine cones, or petals into a pattern outside. Grab a stick, make some swirls in the sand or the dirt or the mud or the snow. Decorate a mud pie. I think you'll like it. And while nothing but time and space, faith and compassion will mend a broken heart, art can be, and certainly is for me, a salve, a balm, something that helps that healing process along. I hope your hearts are feeling uplifted and hopeful, and I wish you a very, very happy Valentine's. i